This morning's message is titled, Reaching Up, Reaching Out. It's a message on compassion and the encouragement for us to reach out in compassion to other people. The text is from Hebrews chapter 13, the first three verses. Developing a big heart. Shortly after coming to Christ, Sadhu Sundar, a Hindu convert to Christ, felt a calling to become a missionary to India. And late one evening, as he was traveling through the Himalaya mountains with a monk, he had quite an experience. He was traveling with his Buddhist monk. It was bitterly cold, and the wind felt like sharp blades slicing through Sadhu's skin. Night was approaching. When the monk warned Sadhu that they were in danger of freezing to death if they did not reach the monastery before darkness fell. Just as they were traversing a narrow path above a steep cliff, they heard a cry for help. Down the cliff lay a man fallen and badly hurt. The monk looked at Sadhu and said, Do not stop. God has brought this man to his fate. He must work it out for himself. Then he quickly added while walking on, Let us hurry on before we too perish. But Sadhu said, God has sent me here to help my brother. I cannot abandon him. The monk continued trudging off through the whirling snow while the missionary clambered down the steep embankment. The man's leg was broken and he could not walk, so Sadhu took his blanket and made a sling of it and tied the man on his back. Then, burden, then bending under his burden, he began a body-torturing climb up back up to the path. By the time he reached the narrow path again, he was drenched in perspiration. Doggedly, he made his way through the deepening snow and darkness. It was all he could do to follow the path, but he persevered though faint with fatigue and overheated from exertion. Finally, he saw ahead the lights of the monastery. Then for the first time, Sadhu stumbled and nearly fell, but not from weakness. He had stumbled over an object lying in the snow-covered road. Slowly, he bent down on one knee and brushed the snow off the object. It was the body of the monk, frozen to death. Years later, a disciple of Sadhu's asked him, What? is life's most difficult task. Without hesitation, Sadhu replied, to have no burden to carry. I want to build on that. Life's most difficult task is having no burden to carry. For you to absolutely have no burden. It's a very selfish world that we find ourselves in. It's always been that way, each for himself. If I don't look out for myself, who will? Am I my brother's keeper? Keeper, Really? Is that what is asked of me? This question strikes home to me, to each one of us. Someone said it's like the force of gravity. Selfishness. Everything is pulled in toward myself toward the center of the earth 
and like that to myself. Everything toward the center. Pulling, retreating into ourselves. Retreating into preservation, self-preservation and security. To counteract this force of gravity, this tremendous selfishness that is inherent in our nature, we need the power of God. I find that, you know, you would think as a Christian, have been Christian for years and years, that we would overcome selfishness. But I find that in my own life that selfishness is still like that large force that just pulls in, pulls in, pulls in. And I want to preserve myself and I want to please myself. In order to counteract that force that is such a driving force in all of our lives, we need to reach up to a higher power. You know, I was going to preach this message primarily on compassion, and then I realized I don't have that compassion of myself. I can't have it. I don't have it within me. I can't come up with it. I don't have it. That compassion that, that I have to have in order to reach out to other people is going to need to come from God. As I reach up first, I can then reach out to others. When we became Christians, we took on the mantle of Christ. We took on His focus. We took on His ministry. And we took on love instead of selfishness. Each of us, no one accepted here, needs to be involved in a ministry of compassion, of reaching out to other people. To fulfill that ministry that God has asked us to take on, to be like our Master, to show the nature of God Himself. We cannot do it God's way unless we are filled with Him. All the good works that man does are empty unless they are filled with God. Before we reach out, we need to reach up. We must appropriate the love of God to be in us. The character of our Savior to be our motivator. Power of God that drives us. I'm a student along with all of you. And I feel very keenly, as I was meditating before this message, I'm a little scared to share this message because it is actually spoken to me maybe more so than to any of you. I'm very needy in this area. And my job today here is as a preacher, is to simply direct your attention to what the Word of God says. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to each of us in this area of need. I hope we can embrace this today. Hebrews 13, verses 1 to 3 is our text. Let's stand together to read the Word. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1. 1 to 3. He says in verse 1, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. You may be seated. 
a call to compassion from the writer to the Hebrews. A short set of instructions, kind of like you would leave as you were walking out the door and you had some teenagers that you were leaving behind. You have some very pertinent instructions as you leave. And this is toward the end of the book of Hebrews. And the writer to the Hebrews is wrapping up with some instructions. Three basic commands that we are going to be looking at here this morning. Three basic commands in this passage. The first one is show the family some love. The command to us as Christians is to show the family some love. And our text verse, verse 1 says, let brotherly love continue. An admonition that we show love to the family of God, to those in the church. And you're thinking of the church, especially the local church here, the rigor church as well, but you're thinking of this church right here as we gather Sunday to Sunday and whatever functions we are. Show each other love. Okay, it's very simple. Show each other some love. Okay, don't be standoffish. Don't be wrapped up with yourself. And the command there is show love to the family. Show your brothers and sisters that you care deeply about them, that they mean a lot to you. You can feel the love from the family, and we need to show that love. The second basic command in the Scripture is show hospitality to strangers. Show hospitality to strangers. Do not neglect, verse 2, to show hospitality to strangers, for here, thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The encouragement here is for us to put out the welcome mat on our doors. Be kind to strangers, those we don't know from Adam. Give them a meal or a bed or both. Show hospitality to strangers. The third basic command is to identify with those in distress. Identify with those that are having trouble. Don't run away from those who are having a hard time. Verse 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Those in jail for their faith. I know that we have a jail ministry today, and that's primarily to folks who have done something wrong and they're in jail. But the context here in Hebrews is those who were in jail for their faith. And he was, the encouragement was to the church to show solidarity with those who are in trouble. Identify with those in distress. Okay. What does it mean to reach out? I have a number of points that I want to share along this line. First, it means unselfish love. To reach out, we have got to have unselfish love, continuing love, active love. Reaching requires us to practice unselfish love. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. If you want to follow along, you I would encourage you to. 
1 John chapter 3, the, the Apostle John had a lot to say about love to those he was writing to. 1 John 3, I want to read verse 14 and a few verses there. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Skip on down to chapter 4, 1 John 4 and verse 7. 1 John 4 verse 7, reading there, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. So what does it mean to reach out? It means unselfish love, active love, love that is working and reaching out to meet needs. It means material love. Love that someone can put their hands on. I like the term tangible. Something tangible, something that you can touch or feel. Love, in many cases, must be tangible. You know, love is a great concept. It's a cozy feeling in our heart. It is all of that. It can be an emotion, but it must also be tangible in the way that we treat other people and the way that we have active love toward other people. God's love is made complete in us. It's perfected in us. The term here means complete. It's made perfect. It's made complete in us. It starts with God. God's love starts up there. We receive that love from God. God's love enters into us. And we then become a conduit for that love. And that's how the circuit is made complete. I use the illustration sometimes for those of you who understand electricity. It's like God is the generator of love in the sky. And He, as we reach up and connect with God, He then, this, this current then can flow into our lives. But we are like a big old switch. And until we close that switch and move that love on out, there is no current flow. That switch is open. We just, it just deadheads within us. But as we reach out and, and touch God, as then we close that switch and allow His love to flow through us to others, then His love is made complete. So first of all, reaching out means unselfish love. Don't bottle it up. Don't try to bottle it up. It means to allow that love to flow to those around us. Secondly, reaching out means 
the sharing of hospitality or the practice of hospitality. Putting out the welcome mat at our door. I don't know how many of you enjoy having people over to, at the, to the house. And uh, usually I leave it up to my wife. I say, you got, you've got to make the meal and, I, and you've got the work to do. Let's have someone over. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a combined effort in a family many times to be hospitable. But the command is there in Scripture to be hospitable. I want to leave that with you. I'm going to maybe convict you a little bit today. You need to be hospitable. That is a command in Scripture to be hospitable. To share what you have been given with others. To be hospitable to the stranger. To be hospitable to the family of God. To be hospitable to those who need a meal or need shelter. And to do that. The practice of hospitality is part of reaching out. And you know, as we as Mennonites are known for our hospitality. Did you know that? We're known for our hospitality. But I think it's something that some, we can easily lose in our, in our church setting is to get just a little bit less hospitable. You know, it's, it's a big old bother to be hospitable. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, I was thinking about that this morning and, and uh, Barbara called yesterday and invited us over for dinner. We, my wife has gone up into Ontario this week and, and others are gone and he said, come for dinner. And I was thinking, yeah, this is a good object lesson. This, they're being hospitable to us and, and uh, having us over for dinner. You know, you have somebody over for dinner, you can't take your nap. Sunday afternoon, you got to stand there and, you know, and visit with people or an evening where you'd love to relax and kick off the shoes and, and, and do things that you want to do, but you have somebody over. Maybe if you've got uh, somebody over for the night, you've got to change the sheets on the bed, you've got to move things around, you've got to clean up, you've got to do all these things to be really hospitable people. But it's not should not be, as Christian families, it should not be an option for us. The command in reaching out is to be hospitable. I want to encourage us in that area to increase our hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints, Romans 12, 13, and seek to show hospitality. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to read a few verses there. 1 Peter chapter 4. Begin reading in verse 8. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. It says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, so use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So the command is there to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh, I don't really feel like having anybody over. 
Not those people again. It's a command to hospitality. It's encouraging us to be hospitable. Without grumbling, without complaining, without begrudging. Open hearts, open arms. Open homes and beds and meals. Time invested in meeting needs. I want to share with you a quote from John Piper. He says, therefore, when we practice hospitality, here's what happens. We experience the refreshing joy of becoming conduits of God's hospitality rather than being self-decaying cul-de-sacs. That's pretty graphic. Self-decaying cul-de-sacs. The joy of receiving God's hospitality decays and dies if it doesn't flourish in our own hospitality to others. Or here's another way to put it. When we practice hospitality, we experience the thrill of feeling God's power conquer our fears and our stinginess and all the psychological gravity of our self-centeredness. And there are few joys, if any, greater than the joy of experiencing the liberating power of God's hospitality, making us a new and radically different kind of people who love to reflect the glory of His grace as we extend it to others in all kinds of hospitality. I love that quote. There's a lot of loneliness out there. A lot of lonely people. I was looking at some graphs at a, on a website somewhere of how people are not having other people over anymore like they used to. People are not socializing like they used to. People are living alone a lot more than we used to live in communities across this country. There used to be a lot of more back and forth where we would, we would have people over or we would do things together with people. There's a lot of loneliness out there, a lot of people who are very lonely. And it, there's a real opportunity there for ministry if we can be that community. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. That's a lot of work to clean the bathrooms, to give up your Sunday afternoon nap, the invasion of your castle, to vacuum the den. But this is an encouragement I want to share with you in the practice of hospitality. What does it mean to reach out? It means to be hospitable people. Number three, what does it mean to be to reach out? It means to identify with those in distress, in trouble, who are being mistreated. And to the church that the Hebrew writer was writing out, it meant people that were in jail for their faith. People who were in trouble because of uh, whatever. And uh, the command to us is that we need to identify with those in trouble. Those who are being mistreated or those who have had a, an extraordinary amount of trouble recently. And that is part of reaching out. When you see that somebody's just had a whole boatload of trouble recently. You know, things just happen. are just happening and they keep on happening to them. Or it might be us. It just, it just seems like there's no end. And... and uh, the commandment here in Hebrews 13, verse 3, our text says, Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, 
and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. It's a compassion for others that we need to have. Nothing wrong with prison ministry today. I think it's a really good work. This is more in the context of those who are having special struggles, who are being mistreated for their faith. Share a a little story from a, a guy named Timothy Smith. He says, we have a daughter in college in Florida. Her name was Marlo. There have been many times in her almost 22 years now that I have been proud of her, but maybe none more than the time she was in third grade and at our junior week of Christian camp. There was a girl there named Amanda, and it was plain to see that from the very first day, Amanda was all alone and didn't have any friends. The counselors would catch her crying. She was from a troubled home. Marlo, this is the daughter, unsolicited took Amanda on as her project. She sat with her at mealtimes, made sure Amanda was included in her group of friends, helped her in a cabin, and kept encouraging her. It was no coincidence that at the end of the week, Marlo was chosen camper of the week. Not because she was really any better than the other kids, but because the camp counselors had seen her reach out to this lonely girl. But over the years, I have often wondered what happened to Amanda when she got home. Was there a Marlow around, or did she just go back to her lonely and bleak world where she was not accepted? And as my mind has gone back to that occasion so many years ago, I've also often wondered how often have I been like Marlow was that week? Are we all, aren't we all to be looking for the Amandas of this world? Paul said, Philippians 2, 4, each of us should look not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. Reaching out is reaching out to those who have a special struggle. Number four, what is reaching out? What does it mean to reach out? It means developing a big heart. Compassion for the hurting. And I've thought over the years, and I've been convicted personally, that my heart is, is, is very small. I don't know what you think about your heart. Not obviously your physical heart, but your heart for people. How big is it? Is your heart, as the Bible encourages, is your heart enlarged? Or is it a small, shriveled up thing that is self-protecting? Self-absorbed with self? And I think reaching out to people involves opening up our hearts to people. It's so much safer to have a small heart. It's so much more protected. Because I can take and protect my heart. I can make it small. I can make it impervious to damage. And it becomes hard and shriveled up. My encouragement to myself and to all of us is to allow our hearts to grow through the love of God in our hearts. To allow our hearts to be expanded, to grow, to become larger. Developing a big heart. Concerned, humble, interdependent, sympathetic, generous, merciful. How big is your heart? 
And I want to use for an example here the heart of Christ as he reached out to the man with leprosy. A story is told, and I won't read that story this morning, but the, he was traveling through whatever area, and there was a man that tried to reach out to him, and of course he was a leprous, and uh, people were shying away. They did because they didn't want to get that leprosy. But Jesus had compassion, and he reached out and touched the man, took some risks. We all read the story this past week about the medical doctor that came back from Africa. He had contracted the Ebola virus, and he's being cared for in, at Emerson in, in Atlanta because he reached out and touched those people who had the Ebola virus. There was a, a lady as well being transported back missionary, compassion for those who are hurting, probably not literally in, in leprosy, but in, in getting involved with people's problems. I hate getting in trouble with people. I don't know how you, I hate reaching into troubled situations. You're just asking for trouble. You stick your hand in there and you're going to get, you're going to get dirty. You're going to get messy because you are getting involved in a situation that's messy. I hate that. I hate messy situations. I like nice, clean situations. Because you're going to get dirty. You're going to get hurt yourself. You're going to get problems yourself because of your compassion in Christ to reach out to other people and get involved in situations. But you know, the life of Christ, the, the, the compassion that Christ had for us calls for us to do that to get, reach out into situations that we would rather just not go there at all. We would like to stay a mile away, not touch it with a 10-foot pole. But God is asking us to get involved with people's lives. Christ was the example for that. The picture that I have, have gotten really makes an impression on me. and It was Christ crying over Jerusalem. Christ's compassion was when he cried over Jerusalem. Reading from Matthew 9, you don't need to turn to it. He says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, into his vineyard. Compassion, compassion. The heart of Christ. Developing the heart of Christ is also a burden for the lost. Developing a big heart, a burden for the lost. Christ was preoccupied with the lost. We can get a picture of how Christ felt about the lost in, in Luke 15 when he tells the stories of three lost things. First there was a lost coin, then there was a lost sheep, and then there was the lost son, the prodigal son. That is what Christ, how Christ looks at things that are lost. 
And um, I think that is, that is what we should be doing also, being moved by lost people, reaching out to those who are lost. To whom should we be reaching out? Our text says that we should be reaching out to the family of God. First priority for each of you reaching out today is, is found in this room and in our local body and in the greater body of Christ. That's our first priority in reaching out is to, to reach out to the family of God. Brothers and sisters, rally around as a family. Get together with your brothers and sisters and show compassion, reaching out to the family of God. Secondly, to strangers. Be merciful to strangers. God has a special place in his heart for strangers. Uh, he continued to express that in the Old Testament when he talked to his, his people Israel. He says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. We should be reaching out to strangers. Thirdly, we should be reaching out to those who are suffering, coming alongside and caring for those who have a special need. I don't know what, it, what uh, avenue that's going to be for you this coming week, but it's, there's going to be an opening for you to reach out to someone. And are we going to go through there? coming alongside, showing someone that you care, visiting someone maybe, sending a note, sending a gift. Maybe it's prayer support um, that we can show compassion to those who have special struggle. Okay, why should we reach out? It's a lot of work. Why should we reach out? Jesus tells the um, foretells what's going to happen at the great judgment day when the king of all the earth is going to be sitting in judgment and he's going to have the sheep and the goats in front of him. And for the sake of time this morning, I won't read this passage. I was going to read it from Matthew 25. I think you all know the passage about the last great white throne judgment. He said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. This is what, this is what compassion is all about. It's an imperative in Scripture that we do that. And then there's the Good Samaritan. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan in response to a question from a lawyer as to who his neighbor was. Jesus described the indifference of the religious, of the travelers who passed by the injured man in the ditch. Jesus then describes the ministrations of the despised Samaritan 
the heathen to the injured man. He bandaged the wounds, put him on his donkey, and took him where he could receive care. Jesus told the lawyer that he should do likewise to those who were needy in his path. The Good Samaritan story, parable, is great for us, and we all know that story. But for a parable to have impact, it needs to be something that we can relate to. And many of us don't relate to the Good Samaritan very much. We've never traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho. We've never had people beat us up and throw us beside the road. We've never had people ignore us and walk by on the other side. We don't really identify so much with the Good Samaritan. I'd like for you to, read, to listen to a modern-day rendering of the Good Samaritan and to see if that might strike home just a little more with you. It's from Gordon Fee's book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. I use it as a textbook at, at Maranatha Bible School each winter. This is their rendering of a modern-day Good Samaritan. He says, A family of disheveled, unkempt individuals was stranded by the side of a major road on a Sunday morning. They were in obvious distress. The mother was sitting on a tattered suitcase, her hair uncombed, clothes in disarray, with a glazed look to her eyes, holding a smelly, poorly clad, crying baby. The father was unshaved, dressed in coveralls, a look of despair on his face as he tried to corral two other youngsters. Beside them was a run-down old car that had obviously just given up the ghost. Down the road came a car driven by the local bishop. He was on his way to church. And though the father of the family waved frantically, the bishop could not hold up his parishioners, so he acted as though he didn't see them. Soon came another car, and again the father waved furiously, but the car was driven by the president of the local Kiwanis Club, and he was late for a statewide meeting of Kiwanis presidents in a nearby city. He too acted as though he did not see them, and kept his eyes straight on the road ahead of him. The next car that came by was driven by an outspoken local atheist who had never been to church in his life. When he saw the family's distress, he took him, them into his own car. After inquiring as to their need, he took them to a local motel where he paid for a week's lodging while the father found work. He also paid for the father to rent a car so he could look for work and gave the mother cash for food and new clothes. <clears throat> modern-day Good Samaritan. It isn't all about being beaten up in a ditch. It's about us reaching out in compassion and being Christ-like in doing that. Why don't we reach out more? I guess I'm going to have to ask you that question. Why don't we reach out more? I think it's a lot of times selfishness. Sometimes it's just not remembering. The, our verses here say do not neglect. Our text says remember those. Sometimes we're forgetful of, of the needs out there. Sometimes it has to do with inconvenience. Sometimes it has to do with pride maybe 
in our lives. We don't want to associate with these people. We don't want to mess up. If they didn't mess up, they wouldn't be where they are. How can we reach out? There's a uh, contemporary song. Uh, Casting Crown sings this song. This song is uh, labeled, If We Are the Body. It says, If we are the body, speaking of the body of Christ, why aren't His arms reaching? Why aren't His hands healing? Why aren't His words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't His feet going? Why is His love not showing them there is a way? There is a way. Jesus is the way. I heard that song just recently again. We reach up first to receive God's love into our hearts. In thankfulness, we allow God's love to root out the selfishness that's wanting to be there in our lives. Looking at Christ, seeing His response to others, His compassion, His outreach. By loving the lost like God does. Carrying a burden for the lost. One has said a life of selfishness will lead to hell. And that's, that's very true. The most dangerous life we can live is one in which we carry no burden. God bless you. And we'll call for a song at this time.